Hey guys, we are back with another episode for Real Talk University, the podcast. Today we have Dan Mori on for an interview. Uh, I know Dan through the Kaufman Southern Tier Incubator. Uh, he was formerly the president. He kind of got things started, broke the groundwork there. Uh, and he, I was introduced to him last year with my friend Parker Conjurup uh, when we approached him for a business idea. So Dan has been, you know, a mentor, uh, ins- inspiration, and everything else to me. Uh, he has, you know, immense business and entrepreneurial backgrounds. And I think his interview today will provide you guys with, you know, a different perspective on entrepreneurship and more insight onto what he's currently working on. And again, how you guys can find your passion and find success with entrepreneurship. Yeah, so I haven't personally met him, but Andre has talked all the time about him, about how successful he is and how he looks up to him. So I'm really excited to get into this interview and to see what he has to say. And here we go, guys. Welcome to the Real Talk University podcast. We are super excited to have you on the show today. Could you just give us a brief introduction of who you are and what you're currently working on? So first off, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm pretty stoked to, to be here and share with your audience. I love what you guys are doing, and I'm uh, pretty excited to, to see you know, the impact that you make on, on you know, the, the people that follow you and listen to you. So, so keep it up for sure. Uh, but me, in a nutshell, I'm just... Uh, a pretty average guy with above average hustle. I, I grew up with uh, not from any affluent background by any means. I don't have any formal education and I uh, dropped out of community school once I realized that they were teaching me how to be a really good employee and I wanted something different. I felt like a, a different path was sort of calling me in life and that path ultimately led me to be an entrepreneur and I've had a little bit of success at that with a, a one pretty well-seasoned company called Employment Solutions and uh, a startup that I'm working on right now as we speak. I'm sure we'll get into both more of those later, but that's uh, that's what I'm doing. And in addition to, to growing a startup and, and working on a more mature company, I'm also living the laptop lifestyle and I'm sitting down here in uh, sunny Florida, whereas I'm, it's a bit warmer than it is where you're at now. So, Awesome. So we're going to go a little more deeper into kind of you know, the process you took to make the transition to entrepreneurship and also, as you mentioned, uh, some of the companies that you've been working on and have uh, grown. So uh, when did you make, uh, as we like to say, the leap of faith to becoming an entrepreneur? And if you could just kind of describe that decision and moment for us, like what was going through your head um, and kind of how you got through that process. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you, I got to believe that like, like, I feel like my leap of faith moment was not any different than any other entrepreneur's leap of faith moment, but the reality is, is that's because probably every leap of faith no, uh, moment is unique, and I think mine was too. For me, it wasn't really a, a big decision. I honestly, I was I was working a job that I hated. I was really good at it. I was I was making decent money, but I just knew that it was still a job, and I knew I wanted something else, and and I just I didn't have any opportunity for growth or really any opportunity to to personally or professionally develop beyond where I was at, and. 
I decided to quit. And honestly, entrepreneurship was not my, I wasn't leaping to entrepreneurship. I actually wanted to be a, I wanted to pursue my private uh, pilot's license and go get that. So I actually headed to Florida, ironically, about 12 years ago. And that actually didn't work out. It's a great story behind that, but for a different day. And uh, during that process, I had actually connected with a couple friends of mine that were starting employment solutions. And they said that they would like me to be involved. Uh, they knew that I had a, a knack for business development and uh, certainly had a little bit of capital. And that was really it. I, I would like there to be some glamorous story about it. But the leap of faith moment was I truly wanted something different. And this seemed to be the right place at the right time. And I didn't think much else about it. I just, I just saw the opportunity for what it was and I got after it. And looking back 12 years ago, I'm damn glad I did. Yeah, for sure. So while it's definitely great for anyone out there that wants to be an entrepreneur to make that leap of faith, uh, you have to have some kind of plan in mind. I mean, for you, it wasn't a direct route. It just kind of was a circumstantial thing. But you have to have an idea or a concept of what you want to do. So for you, how did you come up with the idea or how did you and your friends come up with the idea for the employment solutions company? That's really the the interesting thing about this is I really didn't think much about staffing or employment. Like I didn't really understand that industry. I didn't have any experience with that industry. So I was really, I wasn't as intrigued by the idea of the industry or the company or the product or the service that we were offering. It was actually one of my friends and business partners, Francis, that had been in the industry, had the idea and wanted to make a go of it. And he, he brought me into the industry. He gave me the overview, explained how it worked. And I'll tell you, that there's three things that that I saw in this industry, and, and there's there are others, but uh, I've labeled them as the wealth principles. And the the first wealth principle that actually helps you build wealth, whether it's through entrepreneurship or other, is residual income. It's the ability to do something sort of one time and get paid continually for it. And I recognize that with staffing, with the employment industry, because once you get contracts and you put people out of work, you're essentially getting a, a type of residual income on that. So I like the fact that this industry and this opportunity had that. I also, the second thing that I recognized is, you know, second wealth principle, the 24-hour cash register. This is something that, you know, if you want to build wealth and you want to create a machine that builds wealth, you have to have something where you can generate money outside of just the eight hours of a typical working day. You know, and again, in staffing, because, you know, we staff across the country, I've got multiple time zones that I actually get to leverage in addition to that we service clients around the clock. You know, so I have people that are going out to work for us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so as a company, as an industry, we're actually generating revenue all around the clock. So it really leverages you know, what's called the 24-hour cash register, that wealth principle. And really the third thing was leverage. You know, it's obviously been said in the past that, you know, I believe it was Carnegie that, that might've said this or Rockefeller, but he, he said that he would rather have 1% of effort of 100 people versus 100% of his own efforts. And the concept of that is basically getting paid on the efforts of other people and creating that leverage, you know, and if I had to, to go to work in a job, I'm leveraged one over one. If I work, I get paid. If I don't work, I don't get paid. Whereas in this industry and in entrepreneurship, you have an ability to create some leverage over the efforts of other people and get paid. And once I recognized that those three wealth principles were comprised within the staffing industry, and it was an opportunity to really, you know, pursue my own path, my own financial freedom, my own ge you know, geographic freedom, I, I saw it as the right opportunity at the right time. And it was better than uh, anything that I had had before, and I was willing to work harder for it, frankly. 
That's awesome. Yeah, those are some really uh, unique fundamentals that you mentioned. And again, uh, just to touch back on those wealth principles, uh, you know, as Warren Buffett says, if you're not making money in your sleep, then, you know, you're going to be a poor man. So, again, it's something that's super important, passive income, residual income, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, again, I mean, you've been in the business of entrepreneurship for over, you know, 10 years. So you had to have some failures along the way. So uh, what were some of your biggest setbacks or failures? And uh, how are you able to overcome them? And then also, what's the like? What's your perspective on the importance of failure in entrepreneurship? Oh man, I've I've had more failures and setbacks than I can count, and it is single-handedly the best learning tool and the best growth tool that any entrepreneur can have. And in fact, I've really, you know, growing up, I've always been competitive. You know, so growing up before entrepreneurship, I always considered failure as a negative thing. You know, it's a, you either win or you lose. And I mean, that's what we're taught as kids. And the reality is it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, failure is an incredible lesson. I don't, I don't want to be cliche, but honestly, the, what you learn from failure isn't just how to get better, but it's about what you're made of. You know, I, I will, I, I tell people that I will take passion and perseverance over a college degree any day of the week, because I want that person that has the grit to stick with it, because that's what it takes, especially in the entrepreneurship game. If you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to, you're going to carve your own path out, you need to embrace failure. You need to understand that sometimes you have to actually fail really, really fast and really often just to kind of figure it out. You know, that's part of it. So that's, I mean, I, I've, I've come to, to really enjoy failure because I know that it's kind of moving me in the right direction as well. But some of the biggest setbacks or the biggest thing I want to share is that that's really what entrepreneurship is. It is just one series of problem solving, you know, over and over and over again. There's always a challenge. There's always a setback. There's always a problem. This is absolutely one of the, the hardest roads that you'll ever, you know, go down, but it's also the most rewarding. And just looking at some of the, you know, the early setbacks with employment solutions, you know, we've dealt with it all. We've had cash constraints because we grew too fast. You know, we've had cash flow issues because we, you know, we were stagnant. You know, we've had, you know, real estate issues. We, we literally, there was a time that we had more employees working in our core office than we had actual chairs to sit in, you know, and we had to take turns. You know, and it's just like little silly problems like that to the recession. And that's kind of the one that I'll hone in on today is that, you know, when you're in the employment industry back in 2007, 2008, when we started this thing, it was a good time to be in recruiting. Like the economy was humming along. And honestly, you know, the unemployment rate was really, really low and companies, they were paying a good amount of money for recruiting services. And it was just a good time to be in the industry. But 2009, 10, 11, 12, like it was a really rough patch for this industry. I mean, it was the worst economic downturn that our country has faced in my lifetime. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And I'll tell you, our initial, our initial response to this looming recession when it started to happen was to camp. We decided and early on, we said, hey, we've got this nice little company. You know, we were a couple offices in. We had offices in Elmira and Binghamton, New York at that point in time. You know, we were doing you know, maybe a couple million dollars of revenue. We might've just bumped up against 3 million in revenue. And we said, we're going to camp. We're just going to kind of weather this storm. We're going to wait it out, see what happens. And that lasted for about four months and it was tough. And, and the hardest thing about it wasn't even dealing with the recession. It was camping. It was the fact that we're, uh, my, myself and my two partners, we're grinders and we're climbers. We are, we want to just go all the time. We don't want to camp. We don't want to sit still. And we just, we realized in that moment that we sat still for four months and we were starting to let circumstances happen to us. We were starting to let life and the economy dictate our path in life 
And that was the exact opposite of who we are as people. And in that moment, we made a decision. We said, no, this, this recession has to be affecting other people in our situation as badly as it's affecting us. Let's use this opportunity to grow. Let's go find other companies, other people that want to get out of the game. They're ready to leave and let's buy. And that's what we did. And in 2009, we acquired our first company, which was in New Jersey, which actually turned out to be really, really well for us. Not only was it a great financial move, but it also taught us how to acquire companies. It was our first foray into that, into acquisition. And since then, we've actually acquired a company at the tail end of the recession uh, in Connecticut that worked out to be a fantastic acquisition for us. You know, so so we we were faced with a major, major challenge, the same challenge that a lot of businesses were and a lot of our competitors were. In fact, many of our competitors in local markets, they shut down. But because we seized the opportunity within that challenge, we were able to grow and position ourselves to be really, really strong coming out of that recession, which has since allowed us to grow to be such a large you know, nationwide organization with 11 offices. We operate in 28 states and you know, we generate a fair bit of revenue. So that's that's probably the biggest challenge that we face. And, and that's our mindset about how we approached it and turn it around to be probably our single best opportunity. Yeah, that's definitely amazing. I feel like when it's going good, it's really easy to just keep on going, keep working hard. But when it gets tough, it's really hard to sit back and say to yourself, I need to keep pushing. This will get better. And like if you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, you're still able to keep going until you do see success again. So we're going to switch gears now and talk about the incubator and more of your um current endeavors and talk about what are some of the best memories and moments that you've had during your time as the president of the incubator? Yeah, so that was that was a, a, a fun time or fun project to be a part of. It really, it came to me, that opportunity came to me at a time when uh, with Employment Solutions, we were in a bit of a, in a plateau. Part of our plan was to kind of hold steady and, and focus on some internal reinforcements or stabilization. And we had about a two-year period that we knew that we would be intentionally plateaued before we went back out and started, you know, pursuing massive expansion and acquisition again. So I was able to actually join on with Binghamton University and the Kaufman Southern Tier Incubator and really help bring the entrepreneurial touch to that, that program. Because before that, they had some really smart people, some really good people, hardworking people that were trying to stir up entrepreneurship there, but they didn't really have somebody that... Uh, was currently doing it and, and had some success and, you know, kind of in the trenches that could actually come in and, and inject some some of that into it. So it was uh, it was the right time for me. And I knew that I wanted to give back to, to Binghamton. It's a pretty awesome community with a lot of really good, resilient, hardworking people there. So I uh, I easily accepted the, the director role to kind of help get that program launched and get it kind of started in its uh, inception phase. And I'll tell you, my my best memories are the companies, the founders, you know, getting to work with, you know, all of the, the entrepreneurs that have that idea, that have that passion that say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I see this thing in the world and I see a way that I can do it differently. I can do it better. Or I see a void in the world and I've got this idea to fill it. Like, like I love that thinking and being around, you know, Danny and Mike from Endurafin, like, like those guys are literally changing an industry. Like, that's like, it's mind blowing. You know, and, and looking at what, you know, Dom and Nate and Barr are doing with, with Pup and Matt with EVR and, you know, Katie with Microbella. And I could go on and on and on. And it's just it's amazing what these these young, talented individuals are doing with these companies that are literally going to reshape industries and shape the future. And that's just that that is the biggest thing that I take from it is, is being able to work with some people that are far more talented 
than I am. I'm grateful for that. And uh, the, the fact that I know that I'm going to make a little bit of an impact or leave a difference, you know, make, you know, make an impact in my community is, is pretty meaningful, you know, because it's a, you know, I was born and raised in the Southern Tier, and that's an area that's been uh, kind of cast off, you know, for a long time. And I, I'll tell you, uh, watch out, because there's a renaissance going on, and that community specifically in Binghamton is on the upswing, and there's going to be some incredible companies that are birthed out of, out of Binghamton, specifically because of the Kauffman Southern Tier Incubator. So, uh, great, great thing to be a part of. I, I couldn't be uh, more pleased to to be invited to be a part of that. Definitely. So that kind of, you know, leads us right into the next question we we're going to ask you. Uh, so a majority of our listeners are actually from Binghamton, whether it be from Binghamton University or just from around the area. Uh, so I just wanted to know, you know, what you see in Binghamton, uh, what makes you believe that this will be the home to many successful startups, uh, you know, kind of just to get these listeners excited and motivated uh, to join the renaissance that you mentioned. Yeah, for sure. So I'm not a, I'm not a professional market analyst. I am a, I'm a guy that's done pretty well based on just simple observations and, and gut instinct. So my, my answer here is, is going to be rooted based in what I see and what I see in the Binghamton area, specifically with the university students. One, Binghamton University is an incredible school. It's fantastic. I mean, the resources that they've had and how far they've come just in the last decade is unbelievable. Under the leadership of President Stanger, it is, it's a fantastic university, and they're, they're literally competing with some of the best schools in the country. And how competitive it is just to get into the university says a lot for the talent that's there. So when I look at that and when I see this pipeline of talent when, and this particular generation that has more ideas, they, have, they really have a passion for wanting to reshape their future, uh, I see that that is a fantastic combination of pipeline for the people that are going to be coming out. But when I look at Binghamton as a geography, you have some of the key ingredients that actually go into creating a, a fantastic startup community. You have a lot of supply chain right there. There's a lot of different companies that actually can support new endeavors. There's access to capital. There's private investors there. There's a great angel group that's there that casts investment. There's also a great banks and credit unions that are actually very startup friendly and business friendly. So there's, uh, you know, there's locally there. But we also have great proximity to New York City, where you know most of the capital in the world flows through uh, one way or another. So you have a great geography of resources that are there, supply chain, capital, great people. And when you start putting those things together with the programming that the university and the Kauffman Southern Incubator are bringing to the forefront, uh, it's just a recipe for success. So really, the thing that we need is people to step up and say, yeah, I'm going to grow this company because the rest of the ingredients are there. So that's that's why I believe that Binghamton's on a renaissance, and frankly, that's why I'm still pushing. You know, just because I've 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 moved on from the directorial role, I'm still involved with the program. I'm still mentoring companies, and I'll do everything I can in my power to help support other startups and other entrepreneurs in that region to to raise investment, to to grow their markets, whatever they need to do, any way I can contribute to help out. Uh, because I know the you know the legacy, the impact that that'll leave for for Binghamton and the Southern Tier as a whole. That's definitely an exciting uh, time in Binghamton. Hopefully, the university will continue to grow, and um, like you said, the incubator will definitely help out with that. So, moving into our next question, more of what you've been doing lately. Like I said, um, tell us a little bit more about the latest company that you've started, Spin Gig. Um, what are your biggest challenges so far that you faced, and where would you like to see this company in five years from now? Yeah, for sure. So this is a really exciting company for me because it really takes everything that I've learned from employment solutions in the recruiting industry. And it essentially digitizes it. 
you know, so obviously it's no secret that everything is moving towards, you know, some form of automation, some form of, you know, software based, you know, some form of, you know, the gig economy, like all those things are starting to converge. And I've looked at this, I have a lot of, you know, industry background with recruiting, I understand business development in that space. And I saw where this industry was going. And I decided to actually create a company that could automate a lot of the the routine recruiting effort that goes into recruiting talent for a particular industry, you know, and like any good entrepreneur knows, if you want to make a go of it, you really have to be hyper-focused early on. So I settled on the hospitality industry because frankly, it's the lar- it's the second largest employing industry there is behind the government, which is kind of crazy in its own right. But, you know, one in 10 people work in hospitality. So it's a massive market, but the hospitality, you know, industry is faced with 70% turnover and it's been like that forever. Like it's not like there's there's not a trend that shows that good economic times reduce it and bad economic times increase it. It's just high turnover. So it's an industry that really needs to have automated tools that are affordable that can quickly connect talent to that industry. So I recognize hospitality, food and beverage specifically is is the you know the entry point to this. So we built a, a platform to do this. And the thing is that's Probably the biggest challenge, again, startup life, There's it's just one problem after another, and you have to be really good at problem solving and moving past it. But the biggest challenge that, that we faced is, is really upon market entry. You know, we're, we're fundraising, we're bootstrapped, and to scale this quickly, you know, we need a sales force. So we're out raising money right now. You know, we've taken a small angel investment. We're going to be opening up our seed round here actually uh, any day. You know, we'll be pitching an event coming up. So... You know, being, you know, having the capital to fund a full force team to go into a major market like New York City has been one challenge. The other side of it is this is new, like the, the way that we're doing it hasn't really been done. And our market, they need a little bit of an education. You know, they need to know that like the, the old archaic job board that's out there, like people are really they're not spending their time on job boards anymore. You know, so if you're relying if, if a hospitality company is relying on, you know, old recruiting methods like they're going to get left behind. So having to educate that industry on a new way of recruiting and, and using software and automating some of the recruiting to get a better quality, you know, that piece has been a, a bit of a challenge. And then, you know, the last piece that, that we see that we're facing, honestly, is is getting, you know, millennials and the generation that's coming right behind them to to, to completely fill out a profile. You know, I, I I, uh, we struggle with, you know, getting, capturing that audience for, you know, more than, you know, 30 seconds. So how can you actually create a profile that's super, uh, I guess, complete and, and accurately represents the talent that they might bring to an opportunity in 30 seconds. And those are just channeling little challenges that we're in the midst of overcoming. And I'm sure if you ask me this question six months from now, uh, I'll have a whole other set of challenges and we'll have solved these ones. Um, because that's I mean that's that's really where we've been and where do we want to be in five years? I would like to be the premier recruiting resource for the hospitality industry. I would like for you know every food and beverage you know organization out there, every hotel out there, to actually think of Spin Gig as the place that has truly captured the the hospitality worker audience. That that's where that they can go to find really good quality people, you know. And I anticipate that in five years we'll probably be in 30 plus you know major markets. You know, we'll have several thousand, you know, probably pushing, you know, uh, you know, maybe 18,000 customers at that point. And we'll probably have 50 to 80,000 job seekers on our platform, I would imagine, conservatively. So that's that's where I'd like to see us go.
definitely, and I have no doubt that you'll be able to reach those heights. Um, and then just another thing that you mentioned that I'd like to tap into is uh, we talked about this actually in the past. Is just one of the the great things about entrepreneurship is that every day it's something new. Uh, so that's just one of the things that I know you and I both enjoy about it. Uh, and it's just one of the unique things of entrepreneurship. It's just always something new, always new challenges, always new solutions, and it's just different every day. So it's unlike anything else out there. Um, so on our next question, uh, so, you know, on your Instagram, the the new theme of your Instagram is kind of like the life laptop lifestyle. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about that lifestyle that you're living and kind of what it's allowed you to do? Yeah, 100%. So I... I do. And I'll tell you that I'm not a millennial. I'm like right on the cusp of this. So it's not it's not natural for me to, to turn to social media. So I'm doing the best that I can to get better at it because I know that one, that's where things are going, but that's where my audience is at. But specifically about the laptop lifestyle, uh, obviously, it's a it's a trendy hashtag. But for me, you know, that's kind of la- the lifestyle that I've been actually funneling towards for the last five years. Like I love to travel you know, my wife and my children, like we all love to travel. Like that's our hobby. Like we like to go see new places. You know, we've done some pretty insane scuba diving. My wife and I, not my kids, they're too little for that. You know, we've, we've dove with sharks. We've done some uh, pretty cool stuff on Maui, you know. Uh, I mean, it's, we've been all over the Caribbean. So we love to travel. We love to see new places. But the trick, obviously, is that takes money. You know, so if you ask yourself, and this is, this is really the question that I would, that I would encourage everyone in college to ask really anyone at any point in their life that wants something different to ask is what is it that you really want out of life? I mean, we get one go around, that's it, you know? So, so you can't, you can't play it safe. You can't, you know, just kind of bumble along and think it's going to figure itself out. That's just not how life works. You know, so you get one go around, you got to ask yourself this and really think about what is it you want out of life? And when I asked that of myself and when my family asked that of ourselves, you know, we want to travel. We want to see the world. We want to prove that the world is really, really small and that different cultures are great. You know, the only way to do that is to get out there and actually experience it and actually feel life. And so then you have to ask yourself, well, how do you make that happen? Because like, that's the next thing. Like, that's like our goal is we want to travel and see the world and experience it, experience life. How do you make that happen? You need revenue. It takes cash flow. So you need to build something that's geographically, you know, free. And so that's where you know entrepreneurship and, and moving towards the digital age with a platform like SpinGig allows us to do that, hiring the right people to kind of manage the, the enterprise and run the enterprise in the certain markets is the right way to do that. But it's allowed me you know, the flexibility to, to kind of pick and choose where and when I go and for how long I stay. You know, it's, I've, uh, over the last several years, I've, I've really gotten away from winter activities. You know, I used to love snowboarding and, and really uh, anything outside in the winter. Uh, I've not done that as much over the winter. So I said, you know what, this winter, I'd like to spend some time in a warmer climate, you know, maybe get to the beach more. So, you know, my family and I were able to kind of pick up and, and pick South Florida as a hub through the winter, you know, and I'll still travel back to our markets, New York city and Southern tier is needed, but you know, it's just nice to have that freedom to be able to do that. And as long as I've got internet connection and a laptop or my smartphone, I can essentially do most of the functions of my roles uh, from anywhere in the world. Yeah, that was definitely inspiring because I feel like if you just go through life without any purpose, without any set goal, you're just going to wind up going through the motions and look back on it at the end of the day, at the end of your life and say, wow, I don't really know why I was here. I don't know what I was going for. So who, like what entrepreneur specifically inspires you? Damn. Uh, 
Man, that's a long list. I, I honestly, I, I get inspiration out of a lot of people, not just entrepreneurs. Um, I'll tell you, uh, earlier today, I was, I was massively inspired by Danny and Mike from Endurafin. Like what those guys are doing, they're just killing it. And they just will not be dissuaded. Like I, they've been told so many times that like what they're doing is crazy and the industry they're trying to attack is, is like way too big and, you know, they'll never make it happen. And they just, they just don't hear the noise. They just don't pay it any mind whatsoever. They don't let the naysayers rent space in their head. And I get inspiration out of that, you know, and, and, and being around, you know, Matt Gill and, and the way his mind thinks is like, man, I wish I had that level of talent. Like it's amazing, but you know, I don't, I don't draw inspiration just, just from entrepreneurs. Like I honestly, I find things that inspire me about just about everybody that I meet, you know, and uh, if, if I'm being honest with myself right now, I'll, I'll probably tell you that my greatest source of inspiration, you know, as I sit today, it's my children. And it's not necessarily because they're further down the road than me, because they're not. And it's not that because they've accomplished things that I, you know, haven't because they haven't yet. But the reason that I do everything that I do is to provide the life that I want to provide for my family. And more specifically to your question, it's to provide the future that I'd like to provide for my children. Because I know firsthand that the opportunities that I have today, they won't have when they're older. They just won't. The world moves too fast. You know, so so I need to basically put them in a position to have options, to have opportunities, but also give them, you know, the freedom to be able to explore what they're great at. So they're not kind of steered down this one path that I think most people are just sold as we go through grade school. You know, so that's my biggest inspiration, my biggest motivation to keep driving and do what I do is to to give my kids the future that I want them to have um, and, and have the options that they want to live whatever life they want to live because I've been fortunate enough to do that with mine. So uh, one of the major themes about our podcast, Dan, is uh, discovering your passion. So for people in our position, uh, like Christian and I here, um, like we're in college, you know, we're uh, me and him both are 18. Uh, so the major thing for us is just kind of trying to find our purpose or our passion. Uh, so what advice would you give to our listeners and Christian and I here uh, to help us discover our passions? So, guys, I I got to tell you, there's there's two ways to look at this question, because I think I think a lot of the cliche advice out there right now is find your passion and find someone to pay to do it. You know, or, you know, if you if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Like, I think that I think that that piece of advice has been thrown at your generation more than ever. And certainly it was thrown at mine. And. And I think it's a touch misguided because here's here's the reality. You know, there's not very many people that are going to pay me and my family to travel all over the world. And in fact, I'm the only one that's going to pay for us to do that. You know, and and, and maybe I could be a lifestyle blogger and, and like some of the great ones out there and, and get paid through sponsored ads and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, frankly, that's not my talent. I don't have the passion to grow a social audience. I don't like I don't I'm not talented there. So I think there's there's two ways that you can look at that question. It's how do you find a passion that you could turn into a business? Or if you can't, how do you create a business that can actually help you achieve your passion? And that's, that's, the, that's the path that I took. I, I want to be clear on that. And I think there's people that absolutely can get paid and grow a business around their passion. You know, I mentioned that, you know, Danny and Mike, I mean, they're really passionate about sports nutrition and about fitness. Like that's kind of who they are as people. So they love what they're doing, and I think that that's great. I'll tell you that like, I'm, I'm passionate about the recruiting industry because I, I like helping people, 
but there's other things like I like travel more than recruiting. Does that make sense? So, so for me, I took a look at it and said, Hey, what do I like to do? Like what makes me happy? Like, where do I find myself the happiest? What is it like if I could do anything right now, what would I do? And just asking myself those questions over and over again, it all came back to experiencing life. Like I like to experience stuff. Like I, someone's like, Hey, fly a plane. Yeah, I want to do that. You know, ride a mechanical bull. I'd like to do that too. You know? So I just, Whatever the things are I want to do, I go do those things because that's where I get enjoyment. You know, that's kind of the passion for my life is to do that. And there's a side thing that I'll cover in a second that I'll kind of close with. So for me, I had to look at that and say, okay, that's what I want. That's my end game. What is the means to that end? And that's where entrepreneurship came into play. I knew that I needed geographic freedom. I knew that I needed financial freedom. So I had to look at things. So understanding that that's what I needed to get to my passion of travel and experiencing the world and just kind of living the life that I want, I had to seek the opportunity or be open to the opportunity that was available to me. And at the time, 12 years ago, it was the staffing industry. I didn't go looking for staffing. I didn't say, hey, this is the industry that I want. This is what I'm passionate about at the time. I just opened my mind to be ready to receive the opportunity. And that happened to be the best opportunity in my life at that time that I was equipped to grow forward with, with my skill set. And my, my character traits of not giving up and, and being able to persevere. And then the same thing happened, you know, 10 years later with spin gig. Like I knew that, you know, digitization was the way that things were going. So I said, okay, that's going to help me get closer to, you know, early retirement and the passion that I have of traveling and seeing the world and all that stuff. I just knew that it was one more thing to get me to that, that end goal. You know, so for me, I work really, really hard at those things to be successful because of, because it's, there's a big why attached to it. And then the last thing I want to close with, I also have a huge, huge passion for helping people. Like my personal mission statement is to positively impact the lives that I come in touch with, you know, whether it be for a minute, a year or a lifetime. Like I want people to leave their interaction with me feeling like they're better off having met me, you know, and that's that's not it's an ego thing. It's just truly because I want to help other people on their path, you know, and I want I want other people to know that I'm genuine and I want other people to succeed because I know what it's like to come from literally not much of anything and have some success and be able to taste the life that I want. I know what that feels like and I want that for other people. You know, so so I love the ability to be able to help other people through my businesses, but also through mentoring, through networking and just kind of helping other people get what they want. And also just giving back, you know, donating time and, and money to causes that I believe in that, that can help other people out in a major way. You know, and all of those things that I'm passionate about like that are fueled through business endeavors. So to kind of wrap that up, I would just encourage you, you know, don't don't start evaluating businesses saying, you know, which business am I passionate about? Just ask yourself, like, what makes you happy? Like what generally, if you could do anything in the world right now, what would it be? Where would you be at? And that's probably a good place to start looking. Bob, we're just going to conclude with one final question. Um, have you take a little trip down memory lane here for us. What advice would you give to your 18 year old self going forward, looking into the world, into the adult world? Just in general, what advice would you give yourself? Yeah. So, you know, I'll tell you this. The first thing that I would say is get at it. Like don't don't compare yourself to other people because you will always find someone that is better, faster, smarter, you know, has a better opportunity than you. Like and and if you let that comparison hold you back, you will absolutely end up at the end of your life with a lot of regret and a lot of what ifs. And and don't do that because I did that. Honestly, I'll tell you guys I screwed around. I just drifted for 10 years. When I graduated high school and I bounced around, you know, community college and dropped out of that, you know, and, and went from a couple dead end jobs to like, like I literally drifted for like 10 years. And, 
I'm not saying I didn't do anything meaningful. I did some cool stuff. I did some cool travels, you know, and I touched it. But professionally speaking, I honestly squandered 10 years of my life. It wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I recognized Employment Solutions as the opportunity for me that would later be, you know, become my calling to be an entrepreneur and help other people. You know, so I literally squandered 10 years. And if I was to sit down with my 18-year-old self, I would say, don't do that. Like literally bet on yourself. You're the best investment and the best bet that you can make in this world. And you need to get at finding out what you want in this, with this world and what you want out of this life and push yourself because you are far more capable and far better and far more competent and talented than you even believe yourself to be. So get at it. Don't listen to the naysayers. You are going to be turning your back on everything that is common sense and is conventional wisdom because frankly, you're a two percenter. You're unlike 98% of the people that are out there that are just going to follow the path. And you know what? That's not you. So stop comparing yourself to them and get at it and do not be dissuaded and do not let up until you feel like you're at where you want to be. And that's what I tell my 18-year-old self. And hopefully he'd listen. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, you guys heard it firsthand from Dan Mori. Uh, you guys have also heard it from Christian and I, you know, these past few episodes, just Get at it, you know, avoid the crowd, do your own thing, find your passion, etc. So um, that kind of that was a great answer there, Dan. So uh, that's it for the questions from us. Uh, one thing we like to do to wrap up the episode is just for you to kind of share with the audience how they can find you, uh, whether it be like social media platforms, emails, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I hope to see you around Binghamton at the incubator uh, and, you know, just to stay in contact with you. You've been a great mentor to me. Uh, hopefully Christian could get to know you a little bit more if he hasn't already through this interview and but yeah if you could just share with us a few uh, outlets that our listeners could reach you at yeah 100 percent. i'm gonna funnel everybody one way and that's to instagram right now that's that's what i'm really paying the most attention to so just follow me dt mori and uh if you got a question for me just dm me and i'm happy to help i'm happy to any entrepreneur anyone that's just thinking about entrepreneurship or business in general has a question just hit me up. Uh, I'm an open book. I'm happy to share all the good and the bad of, of my journey. And hopefully I can help other people learn from my mistakes and help you get better on yours. And yeah, Christian, Andre, you know, thank you so much for having me on this and anything that I can do to help you guys out with your podcast, with your, with your app development, whatever it is, like I got you, just let me know.